Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Man, there's something about um, worshiping as the body of Christ. When we, um, there's something about when there's unity um, in the in the room, and we have this one focus and this one goal, and it's Jesus. And um, so, I, I have a a word for you today. Um, but as we were as we were worshiping, I just I felt like the Lord put a couple things in my heart, and I want to share, and then we'll see if we get to the the real message. And um, but it is it is the real message. It's whatever you know. One of the things that we um, we've said here just from the beginning at the Wellspring is we're just Lord, how whatever you want to do, come how you want to come, do what you want to do. And, uh, you know, the Lord is so much better at introducing himself to you than anybody else. He, he's very good at doing it now. He will use other people. But I believe that he loves to speak to his people. He loves to refresh you. He loves to, um, you know, Jesus, um, he, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. And he fasted. He prayed. And as he was coming out of that fast, it says that the, that the devil came to tempt him. And one of the things the devil did said, hey, you see that? I know you're hungry. You see this, this rock, this big rock? He said, look, you're the son of God. You can turn that rock into a yummy piece of bread, maybe even a cinnamon roll. I don't know. And, um, and it would be refreshing. And, and Jesus responded with this. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that, that word actually means that it, that it is the continual word of God coming from his mouth. Meaning this is that I don't even live just on yesterday's bread is that I need the continual voice of God in my life that is showing me Jesus, that is showing me who he is, that is refreshing my soul. And maybe for you, you're like, man, 10 years ago, the Lord showed me this and did this and it's awesome. And maybe you've been living on a, a word for 10 years and that's awesome. But I believe that today the Lord wants to speak to you. Today, the Lord, every day he wants to refresh you. He wants to give you new life today. He wants to give you new revelation. Um, you know, as we see Jesus, as, as the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us, we become like Jesus. We become, we take on his very nature. It is actually your calling. It is who you are, that you were actually made in the image of God, in the image of Christ. And a lot of times what it is, is that we are... Um, we are trying to get back there. We are trying to, we are, we are becoming like him. And I'm going to give you some scripture actually today that's going to really show you that. But I believe this is that in our worship, as we come before him, as we, worship is this, I've said it many times, worship is agreeing with who God is. It's not just singing a song about him, but it's when something in your heart says, that's real, that's true. I'm convinced that he's good. I'm convinced that he's worthy, so I'm going to sing that he's worthy. I'm convinced that he's holy, so I'm going to sing that he's holy. I am coming into agreement with this body of believers in all of heaven that this is who he is. And many times um, we, we experience breakthrough in worship because we're, getting, we're turning our eyes from in here to out there on him. You're no longer seeing your insufficiency, but you're seeing his sufficiency. You're no longer seeing your unrighteousness because you're seeing his righteousness. 
right? And so that's what worship does is it actually aligns you with truth. It aligns you with reality. You come into, you, you, you may come into his presence and you have one reality, but as you come before him and you see him and you allow your words to align up with what you see him as, you get a new reality. It's the reality of heaven. It's his reality, right? I think of the story where um, Elijah has his servant and these armies, this army has come to kill them. It has surrounded them. And the servant's like, it's not good. They're about to get us. And Elijah says, hey, we're going to be okay. It's all right. And he's like thinking, what do you mean it's all right? Don't you see these guys got swords? We've got nothing. And Elisha prays and he says, Lord, open his eyes. And the servant goes and he looks and he's able to see what Elisha's been seeing the whole time. And there, yeah, there was a, there was a reality. There was an army, but Elijah saw a greater reality. He saw the armies of heaven surrounding that army that had come to fight on their behalf. And that's what happens as we worship is you come in and you're like, oh, here's a reality. But then you begin to say, oh, no, look at who he is. He reigns. He's greater. He's, he's, he's holy. He's righteous. And all those things that seem so big become so minute in his presence, right? And uh, that's why Paul said, set your eyes on things above as we continually live there. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus, he encounters um, a Samaritan woman at a well, and they have this conversation. You can go read it, and it's awesome. But out of that conversation, Jesus makes this statement. He says, he says ma'am, a day is coming when people will worship in spirit and in truth. And he, make, he says this. He says, the Father is seeking worshipers. He's seeking worshipers. I can't, I don't know anywhere else where the Lord was seeking something else, but he was seeking worshipers. The only other thing I see is a very similar thing where he says that the Lord searches to and fro for a heart that's completely his. He's searching for a heart that's full of worship, a heart that's fully devoted to him. And worship is not what you want to give to God, but it's you giving God what he wants. And so I believe that in a, you know, we are called as, you know, Whenever, um, whenever God delivered Israel from Egypt, you know the story? Moses did his thing, splits the Red Sea, messes up the Israelites, their plans, and sets his people free, right? They're heading towards the promised land, and they end up at a mountain where we, we know where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. But before that happens, the Lord basically comes and says, I want a people that are a priesthood people. I want a priesthood people. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to wear a robe? No, you do not have to wear a robe. You just can buy a Wellspring t-shirt in the foyer on your way out. No. Um, they're on sale today, $10. Anyways, I'm messing. You like that? It's my sales days coming back out. Um, but this is what, what God said. He said, I want a priesthood people. And this was a priesthood people is that they didn't need a mediator. They didn't need somebody standing in saying, you know, like God tells me something. Hey, Austin, this is what God said. And she's like, well, what about this? Let me go ask. And there's the middleman, right? 
there, it, God said, I don't want a middleman. I don't want, I don't want, I want to, I want you to be my people and I want to be your God. But the people, they responded in fear and said, you know what? We're afraid of God. They said, Moses, go ask him what he wants us to do and we can do it. And so God was like, okay, if that's what you want, I'm going to show you that I actually designed you to be a priesthood people and that anything outside of that isn't who you were meant to be. You weren't meant to just be servants. Even though we serve the Lord, he sees you as sons and daughters. He's called you into a, a relationship where you hear his voice and he leads you. And you know what the, the children of Israel got? They got the Ten Commandments. They got told exactly what to do. And there's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. It completely reflects the holiness and righteousness of God. But what the Ten Commandments did is they taught the Israelites that no matter how much they think they can do, is that they can't. They recognized we need a Savior because our righteousness isn't good enough. Our goodness isn't good enough. And so, but God's saying, I want a priesthood people. I want a people that are with me. I want a people that I speak to and they speak to me. Is that, and, and so we actually, Bible says that we are a royal priesthood. And Peter, this way he says that you are a royal priesthood. And that means this is that Jesus said this. He says there's two commandments. Because he, he was asked, what are the greatest commandments? You know, well, they've got different songs or you'll hear the saying, love God, love people, right? Love God, love people. But Jesus, he said this. He said, here's the first commandment, the greatest. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? And then he said, the second one is this, is that love your neighbor as yourself which we know the second is a byproduct of having the first one right. But I believe many times as believers is when we, 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 don't, we don't know what intimate relationship with the Lord looks like. And to, and we never feel like we have, you know, look, there's, I don't know if there's a day where I feel like, man, I have loved God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Like I did it today. Any, anybody with me? Like I, just being real here, it's like sometimes there's plenty of days I don't, but I know this is that the heart that he's looking for and the heart that Jesus is talking about is a heart that's fully said yes to him. A heart that's fully, it is a heart that's fully submitted to him. That's how we love him. It's, it's not that you have gotten everything right, but it's in your heart you've said yes. And I think a lot of times we go after getting the second commandment right. It's like, hey, if, if because a lot of times because we don't feel loved by God, we revert to trying to love people so that God will love us or to do lots of good things. And, and I'm saying this, all those good things, serving people, loving people well, that is right and is good. But that second commandment is subservient to the first commandment. And worship is this, our worship is that we have said yes to him in a way, it's the adoration, it's the love to him, but it is the full, a heart that says, Lord, I am completely dependent on you, I need you. That's our worship. It is complete, I, I have come completely naked and bare before you, Lord, I have nothing, I need you, I need you. And I, I feel this, is that the more mature you come in the Lord, the more dependent you become on him. It's not like the Lord's like, oh, you've grown out of needing relationship with me. It's like, no, I've grown into realize that I am, I have a, I, I need you, that you are my only option. 
right? And so I believe that the Lord is looking for those. He is calling his church, his bride into that type of relationship where, Lord, it is all yours. It's all yours. I'm completely dependent. I need you. I need you. And he gives us his Holy Spirit who empowers us. You know, here's the thing. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm now going to preach the message, okay? Because now I'm, I'm actually getting into it, okay? Hey, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you, you have given us life and life to the fullest. I thank you that you don't miss a thing. I thank you, Lord, even right now that you are preparing our hearts for truth. I thank you that your word is a seed, that our hearts are the ground. I pray that the ground of our hearts, Lord, would be uh, receptive to your word, Lord. I thank you that your word is searching for a heart that's receptive so it can go deep and it can produce fruit. So today, Lord, we ask that our hearts would be good ground ground, good soil to be able to receive your word so that produces a harvest in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been the last three weeks um, on Wednesday nights having corporate small groups, and we've been going through uh, doing a study on the book of Ephesians, but more specifically doing a, um, a book by Watchman Nee called Sit, Walk, Stand. And um, We've, uh, it's, it's been so good. It's been so refreshing. And today, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to give you an overview of what we've been teaching the last three weeks. And then I want to invite everyone Wednesday night at 630. It will be our fourth week. And we're going to have a night where we worship. We come before the Lord. We're going to join in corporate worship. And then I have some people who, um, I have asked, and some that I haven't asked yet, but they will be up here, that are going to be sharing from their life and their history with the Lord about what it looks like for them in the sitting and the walking and the standing with the Lord. And so some of you are like, I don't know what that means, sitting, walking, standing. That's okay. I'm about to tell you. So everyone say sit, walk, stand. Awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to, today I'm going to this is really going to be teaching. And so I'm wanting you to come with hearts to say, okay, um, Lord, disciple me. Not saying, you know, Jesus loves to disciple you. He loves to teach you. And in the room, I'm, as I'm speaking, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to um, show you exactly what he's said, how this is um, applying to your life, showing you where you're, you need to change your thinking so that you can line up with his word. So really quick, sit, walk, stand, sit, we find um, in the first couple chapters of Ephesians, but sitting is our position in Christ. Sitting is our position in Christ. I'm about to expound on that. Number two, walk is our life in the world. It is how you are actually walking out what the Lord has already done and accomplished in your life. And then number three, which we will talk a little bit about today, and we'll probably have another week where we dive more into it, but it is our attitude towards the enemy, and it is actually talking about our warfare, okay? So it is our our position in Christ, our life in the world, and our attitude towards the enemy. Um, Watchman Nee says this in the book, he says, to be useful in God's hand, a man must be properly adjusted in respect of all three, his position, his life, and his warfare. How many know a lot of our life is allowing God to adjust us rightly. Sometimes we, we need, how many of you are like, I need an adjustment? You know, like anybody like go to the chiropractor and you're like, I need to get adjusted. I'm hurting. Some of you right now are stretching your back out like, man, I do need to be adjusted. And, uh, but I believe that we become, we become bendable to the Lord and we become adjustable to him. And he wants to position us rightly so that our lives actually bear fruit. 
Amen. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, 18 through 23 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, all authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Two things we see in this. Christ was seated in heavenly places. If he sat down, that means something had been done. Something was accomplished. You know, I love that God created the the heavens and the earth, six days, he rested on the seventh. Uh, he showed that there was a completed work. And then Jesus, after he has completed the work of the new covenant, he sits down in heavenly places where he now sits as our high priest. And he stands and he intercedes for us. He stands on our behalf. It's good news. So Jesus in this, in this place where he's not like, all this stuff has to be done still. He has sat down. The cross the giving of his Holy Spirit to his people, he said, it's done. Now watch. Now watch what happens, right? And so God the Father was okay with the fullness of everything being done through Jesus Christ. And everything that um, would ever, any need we'd ever have would be found in Jesus, right? So say, in Jesus. Awesome. So God measures everything start to finish, not by your perfection, but by the perfections of his son. All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is sit. Y'all are all sitting right now. Here's a true statement. If um, you if if the chair were be you, you right now are dependent on that chair. Am I right? You could not hold the position unless you've just got an amazing core um, that you currently have without that chair, okay? You are dependent upon that chair. You are sitting on it. We have been seated. Ephesians says that we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have been seated in heavenly places in Christ. Christ is your chair, which you have been seated. You, again, utter dependence. The chair's gone. We all look really silly, right? But it's a good place to be, right? Everything in the kingdom starts with sitting. It isn't that, hey, now you can start your walk with Christ. No, the walk is going to come, but everything starts with the sitting. It starts with being sitting. Now, what does that mean? Okay, let me read this, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That last statement, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved. So it's saying this, you've already been saved. 
right? It's a finished work. When you begin to read Ephesians, let me, let me just, let me read this. I want you to look for the consistency in this. Ephesians 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He has already blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, he already chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given given us in the one he loves. It doesn't say he's giving it. It doesn't say, um, it doesn't say that he's uh, presently giving it. It doesn't say that one day he's going to give it. It says that he has already given it. It's done. It's done. And then it goes on to say, in him we have redemption through his blood. We have. We already obtain it. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He lavished. Already did it. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So in the kingdom, sitting becomes before walking. The word sit reveals the secret of a heavenly life. I believe many people struggle in their walk or in their relationship with the Lord because they are trying to walk out something they have not yet been convinced that they already have. Is that you are walking saying, oh, if I could just do this, if I could do, I, you know, it's like this. It's like, you're like, I just need to be holy. We've, I've talked about this before about holiness. And um, you're like, I've got I've to be holy. I've got to be holy. I'm trying every day. Oh, I messed up. That wasn't a very holy thing I just did. And you're like, I must not be holy. I'm trying to be holy here, right? Trying, trying to do it right. But in what we just read, it says this, is that you, you've already, uh, it says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So you are already chosen to be holy. In Ephesians, in one place, it says that you are holy without blemish and you stand unaccused. It's, it's, it's like he's saying, this is already how God sees you and what he's already done. And many times we are trying, we are walking from a place of insufficiency because we started from a place of lack. It, meaning this is that never in God is it ever acceptable for us as believers to start from a mindset of lack. Because he lacks nothing and you are his. Meaning this is he's not asking you to obtain something. He's asking you to receive what he's already obtained for you. The walking is simply a manifestation of what you've been sitting in. I'm going to try not to get ahead of myself. You can see the walking it out, the walking out, the walking is actually what your life looks like. Talking about loving people, talking about your ministry or being happy or the fruit of the Spirit. That is all a manifestation of what you've been sitting in, what you've believed, what you have said, okay. God, this is what you've done, not what I've done. So the sitting is whenever we come into the reality of these, of a few things. It, it is, sitting is our justification. You ever heard that word before, justification? That is, you've been born again. You have been saved, right? 
You, you, have, you have been made new. All things have passed away. You are a new creation. Your justification happened the moment that you came to Jesus and you said, it, it, was, it was already there available for you. You just had to receive it. That's why Paul said, you weren't saved by your own works. You are saved by faith through grace. Meaning this, you are saved by the moment that you realized it's only by grace. It's only by grace. I couldn't, I couldn't save myself. Like the Israelites with the Ten Commandments. I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried. I need a Savior. And then what happens is this. Let me use the Ten Commandments as, a, as a, an example. The Ten Commandments reveal the righteousness and holiness of God. But you will only walk that out as you have sit, sat in a place where you realize, because He's holy, I'm holy. Because he's good, I'm good. Because he's faithful, I'm faithful. If it was good for Jesus, it's good for me. And I, I, this is what I love about Jesus and his kingdom is he, he always gives you, he, it's what he gives you. And then he says, okay, now you walk it out, right? I've given you this. Believe in me, I've, I've made a way. Now you can walk in it. It's like, so, but this is what he does is that he gives you room to not get it right and to not like kick you around and beat you up. You, we've said this before, you, you, you never will get punished into purity. You won't, it doesn't work. You won't punish yourself. God doesn't punish you into purity. It only happens by sitting with the one who is pure and allowing his purity to rub off on you. But many times we're out here like all frantic, like, I got to do this. I'm going to do something great for God, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be holy, and I'm going to be this. And then you get going, and you're going in your own strength, and you mess up, and you're like, well, I guess I wasn't called to that. Or you try and keep it together on the outside, and you sweep all the mess under the rug, and you're like, look, this is who I am, but on the inside, you're dead. And that's not what God wants for you. He's a good father that wants you alive from the inside out. But this isn't about, so what I'm saying is this, is that this is not about you. It, it wasn't this. You, it wasn't that by grace you were saved and now you actually becoming in the likeness of Jesus is now your responsibility. It is actually the responsibility of the Holy Spirit as you say yes to him to form you into the image of Jesus. It's like this. Some of you have been given a new robe. The moment that you, you became, took on Jesus' righteousness, but you just need to learn to wear it well. You're just learning to wear it well. All right, let me keep going. Um, so justification, that's what we sit in first, is salvation, forgiveness. We're born again. I learned to sit. I remember as a teenager, you know how many altar calls I responded to? Like every week I got saved at youth group. Every week. I was down at the front like, I've been a bad boy, you know? And... Um, and I, I didn't understand what it meant to be seated. Is I for me, I was I, I didn't understand that the Holy Spirit wanted to come alongside me and say, "Okay, you've been made new. You've been given a new robe. Now I want to teach you how to walk it out. I want to teach you how to wear it." You know, the the Bible talks about your old man, right? Your old man's dead. There's a new man. You know, you ever been given something new? 
ever got a new toy gadget car you know you get a new car and you're like what are all these buttons for you know what you know especially today you're like i've got i've got to learn this i've got to learn how to walk this out you have a new man you're learning how to wear that new man but you won't you won't learn to many of you i, I just want to say this I, I believe this and i've i've been here is that you you live in a place where you you know you're supposed to be something you see Jesus you see his righteousness you see his holiness and you're like I know that's what I'm supposed to be but you are in this world of completely looking at all of your deficiencies you're like I didn't get it here I didn't get it here and what sitting does is it takes your eyes off of, off of all your deficiencies and it's putting your eyes on his sufficiency and it's not that I'm, I'm not, um, it's not that I'm just being oblivious to the fact that there's some things that need to change, but I'm no longer trying to change in my own strength. I'm realizing that it's only by sitting in him that there's actually real change and transformation, right? So in your life, a sit, sitting down isn't just the starting point. It's not just a one-time thing, but there is a continual sitting in your life. Every new thing that you step into in the Lord, you have to first sit in it before you can walk in it. Okay? So maybe for you, it's that I, sat, I learned to sit in the fact that I'm loved by God. And now I can walk around like one who is loved by God. And then the Lord begins to show me what it looks like to be full of his Holy Spirit. And I'm learning to sit in that. I didn't receive his Holy Spirit by being good enough. I received his Holy Spirit because it's the gift of God. It is the gift of his Spirit. And so I'm learning to sit in that and know what that means for me. And then I'm learning to walk in it. Right? Peter, what did he do when he saw Jesus walking on the water? I believe his heart said, if, Jesus, if, that's, if that's, I'm supposed to be like him, and he's walking on water, so I want to jump out there and I want to be with him. I want to be like him. And so he jumps out and he's walking. He's like, this is awesome. This is great. And then he starts seeing, looks down, gets his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink. And Jesus reaches down and picks him up. And I believe that's what it looks like. Man, I'm going towards Jesus. I'm moving towards him. And in my walking and walking it out, I'm going with him. And I might mess up, might fail. I'm not trying to. That's not the goal. My goal is Jesus. But what will happen, if, if, if you're not careful, the, where, where Peter got it right was he fell, but he looked back up at Jesus. He allowed him to pick him back up. Jesus wasn't mad at him. He wasn't like, Peter, you're making me look bad, man. He was like, man, I'm just glad you came after me. I'm glad you came after me. Come on, let me pick you up. Next time you're going to get it right. You know? And so some of you, like Jesus, some of you have put pressures and expectations on your life that the Lord has not put on you. He is not telling you, get it all together. You got, I, I went to the cross for you. I got you all saved and going to heaven, and now you need to get it right. Now it's all, the rest is up to you. You see, because the walking it out is our sanctification. The walking it out is our sanctification. It is this. Now, I want you, I've heard people say this, is that Lord justified us, but sanctification is our responsibility. Truth is, sanctification is all the Lord's work in your life. With all of it, you just are allowing him to do it. It's all his work. He is the one working. 
He is the one working. He's the one working out things. It is you being able to give him a simple and obedient yes. It is you letting go of the need to, for it to be about you and your rightness. There's something inside of us that we want something to claim. We want something that we can take credit for. But like last week, I talked about just Jesus. Paul in Philippians 3, he said, all the things I used to take claim of and that I was good, all my, all my accolades, I don't want them. I just want to be able to claim Jesus. That's it. That's the only thing I want to mark my life. That's it. He said, everything that I can manufacture in my own life, it's not worth having. It's whatever he's manufacturing in my life. This should take the pressure off. It should, this, should, this should make it say, okay, so you're telling me I just get to go sit down with Jesus and I get to learn from him and I get to lean into him. And out of that place is going to come everything that needs to come. Yep, that's what it is. You've been given an inheritance. Everything that needs to be done has been done. You're just learning what is yours and how to walk it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. So, I'm going to talk a little bit more about walk. So, sanctification. Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, Paul is talking to God's people here. He's talking to believers. He's talking to people like you and me. And he's saying this, he's saying, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, hey, some of you here, you need to renew your mind. So part of our sanctification, part of the way that we are walking it out is that the Holy Spirit, as, as we have been seated in Christ, he is teaching us how to think rightly. He's teaching us how to think. He's saying, I'm teaching you how to have a renewed mind, how to think, think how the Lord thinks, how to have his thoughts. No, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he wants you to teach you how to think. He wants to teach you how to think about God, how to think about yourself, and how to think about others. And he does that. So he is renewing your mind, right? So he's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in 1 Corinthians 2... Verse 12 through 6, I want to give you a lot of scripture today. It says, For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the spirit and not the words taught by human wisdom. There's two things. He wants to renew your mind and he wants to renew your words. He's teaching, and this is all done by the Spirit of God. This is the, our relationship with Holy Spirit, is that He is actually teaching us how to think, and He is teaching us how to speak. He's teaching you how to live the heavenly life that you are called to live. You are not alone. You are not just out there trying to figure it out, like, what's, what's happening today? Which way is the wind blowing? But the Holy Spirit is your helper. He comes alongside of you. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Spirit of truth. And know what he's going to do? He's going to lead you into all truth. 
You know what Paul said? He said, you don't even need teachers. You have the Holy Spirit. And this is what I hope would happen, is that all week we're walking with the Spirit of God. And he's, he's, he's speaking to you. He's leading you. And then somebody like me comes up, and I'm sharing, this is what the Spirit of God's doing. You're saying, you know what? The Spirit of God's been doing that in me all week. He's just confirming that. He's confirming it. He's been teaching me. See, Jesus, he wants to disciple you. He wants to lead you. He wants to teach you. He doesn't want a service on a Sunday to be the extent of your discipleship. That's not even discipleship. Discipleship is with him. You are a disciple of Jesus. You're not a disciple of John or the Wellspring Church. You are a disciple of Jesus. And then we get to come together and encourage each other, and we get to be with one another and worship together and get equipped together. But you are discipled by him. It is a walking with him. And so he wants to, so it is him coming, it is the gift of the Holy Spirit, him coming into your life, you receiving him, that relationship, hearing his voice that is actually teaching you how to walk out what you have already been seated in, in Christ. All right? So he's, he's renewing your mind. This is the way he does it. He renews your mind. He's, he's showing you what to say. Anybody ever had that, you know, this... I sound funny, old school. This is what my, my youth pastor used to say is the, the Holy Ghost uh, speed bump. You know, you're going to say something, and then you hit that speed bump, and you're like, ooh, I better not say that. And uh, the truth is, is he, he, it sounds funny, but the truth is he's teaching you. You're like, oh, saying, talking like that doesn't, doesn't feel right anymore. Something about that. He, he's showing me a different way, showing me a better way. Y'all good this morning? So then the, so our thinking, our speaking, and then our living, he wants to teach you how to love people. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is not like the requirements of the Holy Spirit for your life. It is the fruit of an active relationship with the Spirit of God in your life that produces that kind of fruit. You know, don't say, I just need to work on my fruit of the Spirit. No, you don't need to work on it. You need to sit in it, have relationship with the Holy Spirit, and let him help you walk it out. Quit trying to say, i got to work on being a better Christian. No, you need to sit. You need to sit, and then you let the Holy Spirit help you walk it out. Right? How glorious would the church look if we weren't moving from a place of, we're just trying, brother. We're just trying to where we're actually from a place of like, no, we've been sitting in this. We've already received it. We know who we are. We know whose we are. And then the Holy Spirit has come alongside of us and he has empowered us. That's why Jesus told his disciples, he said, go after, as he, before he ascends, he goes, go wait in Jerusalem. It's going to be good. And what do they do? They go and it's, and what do they do? They, they come simply before Jesus and they wait on him. They're obedient to him. Like, we don't even know what's happening, but it's going to be good. And then it says that the Holy Spirit comes, right? And he empowers them. He begins to rest on them. He actually empowers them to walk out what Jesus had already done. Because the disciples had to say, well, Jesus died. He forgave us. He loves us. That was cool. Now what do we do with it? Right? And the Holy Spirit, he wants to come alongside you and he wants to teach you. And he wants to lead you. And it's not so that you can leave from the play. I, I want my, my desire is that you would leave here today no longer feeling like, man, 
I've got so much to do to be a better Christian. I've got A, B, C. But you would learn to say, okay, Jesus, I need to learn how to sit. If you're like, man, I, I don't feel loved by God. Well, you need to go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I need to learn how to sit in your love. I need you to convince me of your love. Because you'll, you'll never walk around like someone who is loved until you've learned to sit in it. Right? Awesome. So the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He produces the fruit of his spirit in us. All right, I'm going to close with this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Um, Paul here is giving us this picture. He, he is talking about how Moses, he had gone and he had been with the Lord on the mountain. And he came down from the mountain, his face was glowing. It was wild. Everybody's like, whoa. Moses is like a lightning bug. He's, he's just all lit up, you know. And they were like, man, what's going on? And so Paul actually says here is that, that, that Moses puts a veil over his face, not because it was so bright that the people couldn't look at him, but he didn't want the people to see that the glory of God was actually fading from his face. It was a, so Paul says it was a fading glory. What he had with the, the old covenant, with the law, just doing it on your own by yourself, he said it was a fading glory. But then he says this, he, he says, but the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart. So the moment that you come to God with an open heart, it says the veil is lifted and they see. It says, so he's saying this is that we actually have a glory that's not fading, but it's increasing. Because it is not that we are doing something in our own strength, but it is actually something that is done. Christianity does not start with a big do, but a big done. It is done. And we are moving from a place where we are encountering the glory of God. And every time we do, it's not that we are walking away with something that is fading, but it actually, we encounter the Lord and it empowers us to become that. Let me show you, because he says, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Do you know that you were meant to reflect the glory of Jesus in the earth? And it came from a place, not from you having built yourself up there and having done everything right, but it came from a place where you learned, I'm going to sit in what has already been done, and I'm going to sit here until it's within me. And I'm going to sit here until it's who I am. I'm not going to try and walk in something and pretend that I've got it together when I really don't. I've got to know this is about him. It's about him and me, Christ, the hope of glory. He's inside of me. And then it goes on to say, we are being transfigured into his very image. And we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. So who does it come from? The Lord, who is the spirit. So who is transforming you into the very image of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. It's his work in you. It's what he's doing. So today, quit trying to do it on your own. I'm not telling you to just to quit. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, maybe I am. Maybe I'm saying, hey, quit trying in your own strength. Go be found in him. Go be found in him. 
leaning into him like you are sitting on the chair. Go sit on Christ and be utterly dependent on him. I need you. And then, Holy Spirit, you're teaching me how to walk out and it's going to be glorious. And it's not going to be the best version of uh, it's not going to just be about me. It's going to whenever I walk, I'm going to be a beautiful reflection of Jesus in the earth. And that's what the world needs today is us to reflect Jesus in the earth. Amen. We stand with me. This is what I want us to do today. I want, I want you to give, for many of you who maybe you've been trying to be good enough in your own strength, you've been trying to be righteous in your own strength, you've been just trying to do life in your own strength, today we're going to give the Lord the reins, okay? We're going to give the Lord the reins. Maybe for you saying, man, I, I don't feel like I'm where I thought I would be. I don't think, I don't think by now I've, I've conquered the things I thought I would conquer. Maybe you're saying this, it's like, man, I thought by now I wouldn't be as angry as I've been. I thought by now I wouldn't be living in depression like I am. And maybe you've even said this, is if it, if it were true, this gospel thing, then by now this wouldn't be here in my life. Or maybe you're just like, I'm just a really terrible Christian. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking, man, by now I thought I wouldn't be looking at pornography. By now, I wouldn't have this issue. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so angry with my wife and my kids. Or I wouldn't, whatever it is that you have beat yourself up about and said, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. The truth is, until you learn to sit in Christ, there will never be change and transformation. You and your own strength trying to work it out on your own, it won't happen. But it is the sitting in Christ. It is the sitting in his goodness. It is you become patient because you have sat with the patient one. You've become holy because you've learned to sit with the holy one. So Lord, today, we, we repent for trying in our own strength. We, we repent, Lord, for trying to be saved by our own good works and our own goodness. Today, we sit in the reality that we have been saved, that we have been justified. And then, Lord, we offer up to you our walk. And I thank you that you are teaching us how to walk it out. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are teaching us how to walk with you, how to bear good fruit, Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. It's just about getting connected, getting connected as your life depends on it. Your life depends on the resources coming from the vine and the fruit's gonna happen. Today, Lord, we lay down our striving and all of our things to be found in you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. We give ourselves to you completely. Thank you that you are teaching us to sit. Thank you that you're teaching us to walk. And I thank you that you're teaching us to stand on the ground that you've already given us. You're causing us to stand in truth. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's just give the Lord a hand. He's good. Mark Pastor Nick. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. 
For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.